Welcome to Feed the Sheep Podcast. This is your host, Ross Steele. As I always say, God is good all the time, and all the time, the devil is stupid. Here, I like to talk about things culture doesn't want to talk about. I talk about things to advance the gospel, to build the kingdom, and bless the world. Let's get right to it. All righty, y'all, and we are back for another episode of Feed the Sheep. And this week, this, this episode is actually going to be covering session three of Revision Conference 2022. Lord, we come before you right now and we thank you for, for your word, the messages that are brought here, the, the hearts that were changed. I pray that you continue to move. These, these messages continue to be uh, reaching those who need it most. It's in your name, Lord, that I declare that every chain be broken, every shackle be lost, everything fall at the foot of the cross, Lord, and every stronghold that the enemy may have, I come on behalf and I intercede, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I declare they be fallen, that they be broken, that the devil releases its grip on the strongholds of those who are listening, Lord. And it's in your name, Lord, that you fill them up with the Holy Spirit, that you, that you come over them as a hedge of protection, and uh, I just pray that we continue to give to, to, to reach those who are lost, those who are marginalized. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, y'all. Session three of Revision 2022. We got Lauren Alexander, and she brings the energy. So get ready. Listen up. You don't want to miss this. Y'all can have a seat. Let's open our Bibles together. Let's talk about the living God this morning. Can I get an amen? He is alive. He is worthy of our worship today, and we're going to study his word together. But first, I need to tell you a story, and it goes like this. I did not have an oven for a year, one year. Now, when you're a mom of four, (laughs) it is wild and out not to have an oven because these kids, they want to eat all the time. I mean, every day. And the, the way that I found out that I was not going to have an oven is that one day I was going to make pork chops for my boo. That's right. He loves pork chops. We're New Testament Christians, so we're really excited about pork, okay? And so I had gone to the specialty store, and I had gotten the good pork chops that are super thick, and I had found this recipe on Pinterest. Anybody love the Pinterest even after all this time? Still your first, your second love, hopefully. Jesus is first and then Pinterest. Um, but as I was uh, researching, I found a recipe that um, asked you to put, are you guys ready for this? Buckle up. The mayonnaise of all mayonnaises um, on top of it, which is Duke's mayonnaise. Don't bring the Hellman's to me. Don't do, don't, don't. Bring out the Hellman's, bring out the worst. That's what I say. So I love Duke's mayonnaise. So you slather, I mean, this is going to sound really healthy. I'm sorry for all of you personal trainers out there, but I just need you to, I I just need you to understand how excited I was about this because I was going to make my booze day with this. And so you slather it with mayonnaise. I don't know why they told me to do it. So I did it. I'm obedient if nothing else. So I slather it with mayonnaise and then sprinkle shredded cheese on the top. A little salt, a little pepper, getting these ready for the oven. And so I had preheated it, and then when they were finally gloriously ready for the heat, I go to stick uh, the, 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 um, the pan that they were in into the oven, and the oven is ice cold. So I thought, oh, 
just to, I just need to turn it up because I'm not an engineering mind. I have people in my family who are like that, but I'm not. And so I just thought, you know what, what it needs is more heat because I'm from the Tim, the tool man, Taylor school of anything, just add more to it and it'll work eventually. So I cranked it up some more and I thought, you know what? I just probably got the preheat wrong. Let me turn up the heat on this thing. And so about 10 minutes later, I skipped joyfully back into the room to make my boo this beautiful plate of pork chops and I go to put it in, still cold. So then the moment came that I had to ask for help. And I said to my husband, uh, babe, the oven's not turning on right, like it's not heating and I got these beautiful pork chops that are waiting for us to eat them. And the longer this goes on, like they have to bake for 55 minutes. I'm gonna have some hungry kids that are gonna turn hangry really soon. How many of you turn hangry after you've been hungry a while? Don't be shy, it's okay. God loves you. There's grace, okay? And so I'm realizing there's about to be like kind of a knockdown drag out <laughs> situation if these don't get heated up. So he fiddles with the oven for a little bit and then he realizes what I probably should have realized at the beginning of the story, and that is that the oven is broken. And so we live in a church parsonage, which means uh, our church owns the home that we live in. And so, of course, we call the trustees of the church and we say, you know, there's a problem with our oven. Maybe the problem is it was made in like 1970-something. <laughs> that could be the problem. <laughs> and so it was cut out of the cabinet. Like there's a, there's a, an, an, it, you know, there's a cutout in the cabinets where the oven went in and they don't make those like anymore unless you want to pay like a lot of money, like it's an antique now basically. And so they said, well, we can either get you a new oven that's the same. So it's really like an old oven that's new. You see what I'm saying? Not new. Okay. Or we can just do the kitchen. Hey, I mean, if you're going to offer to do the kitchen, let's do the kitchen in the dining room. Let's do a reno. I said that guys, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was asking for. And so when we began to plan for this renovation, my husband uh, loves that sort of thing. He went to school originally for building trades before he became a pastor. So I always like to say he's like Jesus. He started out as a carpenter and now as a preacher. <laughs> and so he was really into this and he helped design the blueprint. But my problem was when I looked at the blueprint, I mean, it's sort of like studying the New Testament. It's all Greek to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't get it, okay? How many of you would look at a blueprint and be very lost? That was me. And so he was even able to help to design it. But the question for me was if I could begin to perceive or understand that the kitchen that I was leaving behind, let me see if I can get this up for us. The kitchen that I was leaving behind and the sacrifices that our family was going to make, including not being able to eat in, from the oven for a year, okay? I love the Instant Pot that you gave your mom for Christmas. That was really nice of you. But after a year, it gets old, okay? I just need you to know it doesn't taste the same. And then I get on the beautiful Pinterest, my second love, right? And I'd be scrolling through and I'd find this awesome recipe and I'd start gathering ingredients. And then it was like, bake in the oven at 350 for 20 minutes. And I'd be like, fine then. Get out the Instant Pot, kid. Would it be, get out the Instant Pot, kids. Would it be worth all the trouble in eating from that Instant Pot for a year for what was about to happen in my home? And I had become eventually so accustomed to this way of life where you see me on the screen, um, where, where everything's torn up all the time and there's a plastic sheet that's between the rooms so the dust isn't coming in. 
Um, I had a bugged out stove. I had a bad oven. Only one burner, I think, on the stove ended up working. We had carpet in our kitchen. I know, right? Same, same. And four kids, like carpet in the kitchen and four kids. Okay, but, but I knew every day what it looked like when I woke up. Anybody see where we're going here this morning? I knew what to expect. Was it great? No. But I wasn't caught off guard by it either. I had trouble because I had grown so accustomed to it. I had trouble even imagining what a new kitchen and what a, what a new dining area would look like. It was, dare I say, deconstructed, but it was comfortable. At least I knew what to expect. At least I didn't have to try to know in my mind's eye what this new thing could be. And frankly, I was scared that I would be disappointed or even more that other people wouldn't like it. Because remember, I told you, this is not my house. This is the house owned by the church that now my husband and I are responsible for making decisions about that someday maybe other people will live there. And so I ended up in the Amish countertop store in the middle of nowhere, Davis County, Indiana. And he began to ask me questions about what kind of sink I wanted. And I just burst into tears. And you could see the Amish guy was like, wow, buddy, I'm going to pray for you. She is a lot. Okay? She's a lot. And I went out to the car and I was like, just pick a sink. Here it is, this church parsonage kitchen. Everybody's got opinions. And the weight is just bearing down on me. And I think maybe it'd be better if I just went back to the old way. Because then I don't have to risk disappointing anybody. I don't have to risk being disappointed. And throughout that process of renovation, I was challenged to do something that was very hard for me. I was challenged to trust that what I was leaving behind was nothing compared to what was about to come. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I wonder if any of you understand what I mean in sort of a deeper way today. The idea that our very weary eyes at this point could see beautiful or meaningful again seems so absolutely out of the realm of possibility that we may have just dropped it from the radar altogether. The idea that the church universal could sort of rise up from the ashes of what we've all been through the last couple of years and in the challenge of living in, in a society with a post-Christian worldview seems kind of slim sometimes if we're really honest with ourselves. The things you're inheriting are a challenge. I'm aware of that. And so maybe today, maybe this morning, your level of hope about specific circumstances or just altogether seems sort of extinguished or suppressed, quenched, flatlined, dead on arrival. It's just so hard to picture how God might bring that circumstance or that relationship or that situation to life again. You feel like you're looking at a room that's been stripped down to the studs, sort of like that room that I've got on the screen right now. And the idea that it could be made new again seems absolutely foreign to you. Would anybody say, yes, I have been there in my life at some point? Just want you to know that you're not alone. 
And honestly, if God were to do a new thing, you're so used to the old thing that what would you even do with yourself if it was made new? <laughs> Check this picture out. I hope I'm doing this right. Mm, wrong way. There we go. Would you just give me a slight nod or maybe just wink at me or, or something to let me know if you have even one thing in your life that looks like somebody gave a 10-year-old a sledgehammer in the most important room of your heart's house? Because that's what happened to me. Somebody handed my 10-year-old daughter a sledgehammer and said, hey, get to work. It's demo day, Chip Gaines Jr. And I was like, this is, what, 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 what? I got to go to bed. <laughs> I got to go lay down. This is too much for me. Have any of you ever felt like somebody took a sledgehammer in the most important room of your life and you don't even know what's about to come, but you know that what was there before felt like the most comfortable hoodie sweater you could ever have, even though it's ratty and holed up and it stinks? If you resonate with that word picture, I want you to know that you are sitting in the seat that you have for a reason today because God has a word for you. Maybe you've been left behind to grieve a broken heart and the new normal appears absolutely hopeless. Or maybe you're just afraid of change and, and you know that that change needs to come, but that fear has you hamstrung and stuck and you're having trouble figuring out how to move forward. Maybe God is asking something of you today that will change everything. Well, you're not the only one of God's people to ever feel that way, and I can prove it to you. Let's look at Isaiah 43, chapter, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43, verse 16. There we go. Hear the word of the living God today. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a what? New, say it a little more enthusiastically, it's Saturday morning. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. May I pray for us today as we get into it. Father, thank you for these young adults, the passion that they have for you. And Lord, I'm very aware in a room of this size that many of them have been hurt by the old, but they don't know how to move into the new. So I ask God that you would take off the blinders that keep us from perceiving what it is that you're doing on the earth right now through each of us and how you want to invite us. And you're saying, welcome to the new God. Help us to hear your voice this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit equipped on the back of your word. It's in the, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So this whole verse thing, this whole passage here seems kind of like a contradiction of terms, right? Remember... Remember all that stuff I did, but then forget it. Like my 14-year-old daughter gives me emotional whiplash sometimes, but I don't expect it from the Bible. I just need you to know that, okay? I get it enough. I got a 15 and 14-year-old daughter. I don't need this from God's word too. Okay, so just tell me, what is it? Do we remember or do we forget? Do we remember 
or do we forget? For context, I need you to know that God is speaking into a very unique transition period of the Israelites. Raise your hand if you're in a transition period yourself right now. Raise it up high. Don't be ashamed. Okay? You're just another one of God's people that's walking through transition, and that's not a bad thing. But this time, as Isaiah's prophesying this message to them, they're in exile. They're shackled by the Babylonians. Okay? I don't want to go to Babylon. Because they just Babylon. You remember that? Yeah, right here, okay? Some of you all are like, I didn't know I came to Sunday school this morning. Yes, you did. Yes, say amen. Yes, you did. Okay? They're stuck in a situation that feels unfamiliar, uncomfortable, unpleasant. As you two would say, they're stuck in a moment they can't get out of. It's a little close to home, doesn't it? Especially the last couple years. They miss the old times of their strong nation and their renowned temple and the joys of their homeland. Now, up here is a picture of our cabinets before the renovation. What color are they, people of God? Let's be a little more honest in the house of God today. They're orange, okay? They may look brown on the screen, but really they're orange. And if you have orange cabinets, May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. I'm not judging you. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying, like, these guys have been around the block a couple times, okay? And inside they have that contact paper. I just can't. I just cannot, okay? Like Ross's story last night. I just can't. I just can't go there. Um, I'm lost in the sauce. What can I say? But, like, I mean, look at that. So my kids knew that this was stressing me out so bad. I mean, they could just see it in my eyes and maybe in my attitude, too, if I'm being honest. And so <laughs> they went and they got these napkins and they thought that it would make me laugh to put out of order on them <laughs> because as we were doing this renovation, I kept going to the wrong cabinets looking for things because we had moved everything out and they just knew it was driving me crazy. So they thought this would be funny, okay? Now, I, I know what they were trying to do but it just felt like my life was out of order, okay? And so it was just sort of another little um, uh, brick in the wall of craziness during uh, my life at that time. But God bless my kids for trying, right? And so this passage of Scripture is not only God's timely message to Israelites in their period of exile, but it's also a timeless message to us in our times of transition where the old cabinets might have had the contact paper, but we knew what we were going to find when we opened them, amen? I knew what to expect. I wasn't going to get a surprise like a, a tiny creature that had come in from the outside during this particular portion of our renovation, okay? I knew what was coming, so I wasn't caught off guard. And so God whispers to them. He says, forget the former things. Forget the orange cabinets. Coming out of the gate kind of strong. Really, God? Forget it? Forget the former things? Even the, the things that were good? Even though we miss them and we like to talk about the good old times and the, the spiritual game of 2005, we miss that stuff? We're just supposed to forget it? In the bad stuff? The times that were bad, even though... Sometimes we like to dwell in a little bit of bitterness and sadness about it because we feel justified by that. 
Just forget the former things altogether, the good stuff, the bad stuff, just forget it? Unfortunately, I'm here to report to you today that we aren't able to literally forget everything. I wish I had better news. <laughs> but certain joys, which is great, and certain scars, which are very hard to remember, are too significant to simply forget at a whim. How many of you know that to be true? They're embedded into our hearts. They're etched into our memory. And in many ways, they've made us who we are today. The Israelites literally cannot forget the good former things, such as their homeland, their temple, their stability. And they literally cannot forget the bad former things, such as their exile, their oppression, the poverty that they faced in Babylon. So is God commanding them through Isaiah, to do the impossible. You forget those former things, honey. See, asking them to do something that's impossible because honestly, not everybody is like Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith and you got a neuralizer to shine in somebody's face like, nur, nur, oh, I forgot everything, wonderful, hooray. Like, that doesn't happen in real life. I wish it did sometimes. Anybody else? Can I get a witness? Do you wish you had a neuralizer? Especially when you like ask somebody if they're pregnant and they're not. Oh, just forgot about it all, right? <laughs> you asked somebody out and they said no. No, no, oh, I forgot. I don't even remember that happened. Thank you, Jesus, right? Is that what it means to forget the former stuff? I don't think so. So which is it? Which is it, friends? Do we remember or do we forget? Ah, there we go. Do we remember or do we forget? Which is it? Tell me. The answer is yes. Oh, wow, Lauren, you're so profound. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Do we remember or do we forget? The answer is yes. The two verses before God asks us to forget the former things teach us something really key to living for Jesus in every circumstance, guys. Okay? God wants them to recall what they have seen him do in their last round. Let me remind you. He made a way in the sea in the Exodus. He made a path in the mighty waters. He brought forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, and he destroyed their enemies, and they walked on dry ground. Anybody remember that from the book of Exodus? That was kind of weak. Anybody remember that from the book of Exodus? Okay. Yes. <laughs> But they knew what they had seen in the last, God knew what they had seen in the last round was going to help them build their faith for the next round. And I'm speaking to somebody this morning. What God did in the last round, he wants to use you to build your faith for the next one. And so I wonder if we would be willing to listen to God preaching to us, to God um, beckoning us to remember what matters and to forget all the stuff we did that we regret, because he's forgotten it. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. Guys, you remember when you were standing, your ancestors were standing in front of a mighty sea, and I opened it up for them, and they walked across. And then when their enemies came behind them, I destroyed their enemies for them. You remember that? You ain't seen nothing yet. 
Oh boy, I love that. You ain't seen nothing yet. And so this is what I want to encourage you to preach to yourselves. Because the power to forget the former things, what, what God is inviting us to do through the prophet Isaiah, the power to forget the former things lies in not forgetting the most important thing. The greatest scene in the Old Testament, God says, hey, hey, remember that? He doesn't say, remember how stubborn you were? Remember how after this you walked around in the wilderness for 40 years because you just wouldn't listen? No, he says, Rem don't remember what you did. Remember what I did. The power to forget the former things lies in not forgetting the most important things, which are the things that God did for us, the things that God said to us, the things that God delivered us from. And so I want you to focus on his past faithfulness instead of on your past failures. I want you to learn to fix your eyes on the faithfulness of our living God and not the mistakes that you made that you wish you could forget. Because from where you're standing now, God has done for you and me the exact thing he did for the Israelites in the Exodus. He has parted some seas. He has, he has delivered you from some stuff. He has set you free. And he is saying, I'm just getting started. I am just getting started, but you have to stop remembering the things that you regret and start remembering my faithfulness through those things instead. So what's it going to be, church? Because let me tell you what, you are on the precipice of, I believe, the most powerful revival that God has ever sent to America. I believe it's coming through you guys. But if you're too busy reliving all of your mistakes all the time and, and forgetting to focus on what God has done, you will get lost in it. He is inviting you to proclaim his faithfulness instead of where you wish you would have been faithful. Lay it at the cross and leave it there. How many of you are 25 years old? Could you raise your hand up real high for me? Holla. Okay. 25. Anybody 23, 24? Raise your hand. Sweet. Okay. So something happened to me when I was 25 years old. God invited me to remember and forget. Remember the profound answer I gave you is the answer is yes. Well, God said yes to me. <laughs> and then I tried to say no to God. Anybody ever tried to say no to God before? Had a go for you. <laughs> strike out, right? <laughs> Swing and a miss. Um, and so I tried to tell him no a couple of times, and he just kept on me. And um, when I was 25 years old, which was years ago, okay, um, actually, I'll be honest with you, I'm 36. I'm about to be 37, so that was nearly 12 years ago. God invited me on an adventure to a new thing. I was a newlywed. I had been married two months. Two months, y'all, Okay. Um, we had been dating three years. We were so excited to hit the ground running and um, uh, do ministry together. My husband's a pastor. Um, we had been waiting a long time to get to live even in the same city, especially in the same house. We were just so excited to be married. And then the Lord began to reveal himself to me through reading his word. And how many of you know that God wants to speak to you through his word? 
And if you are not in that word, it's going to be very hard for you to hear God's will for your life, okay? So I was in the Bible, and these stinking red letters kept jumping out at me. I'm like, what you have to make them red for? Okay, I get it. It's like, take care of the least of these. Suffer not the little children to come to me. Stuff like that, okay? Why'd they have to make it red? Thanks, guys. So as I read these red letters, and as I turned on the radio to my local Christian station, you know, James Dobson's on there talking about adoption and foster care. I'm like switching the channel, and then I get to another channel, and it's the same program, or it's a different program talking about the same thing. It wasn't even National Adoption Month, okay? They were just messing with me. That's all they were doing. And so eventually, the Lord was, as he is, relentless, and I went to my husband, and I said, we sat down on our swing outside, and I said, I feel like the Lord is telling me something. And I was kind of hoping that, like, he would say no, and then I'd be off the hook. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a submissive wife, right? So I was like, I feel like the Lord wants us to foster. And we had talked about that prior to marriage. We had decided that um, we would be open to what God had for us because I wanted to adopt and did not want to do foster care. And Seth wanted to foster, but he did not want to adopt Joke's on both of us. You remember that answer? Do we remember? Do we forget? The answer is yes. Okay, spoiler alert. It was yes. Okay. And so we ended up becoming, in a very short uh, form of this story, we, uh, one day, uh, we got married in February of 2010. In October of 2010, three children came to live at our house. Are you ready for this? They were three and a half, two and a half, and six months old. That's what I said. That is what I said. And uh, all, all the babies in my family were nursed, so I had never even made a formula bottle. I can't make this stuff up, you guys. You want to talk about a new thing? Try to figure out the Infamil container and how you make it, because they don't teach you that in foster care class, okay? But one of the hardest parts of my journey is that it looks so different from the journey of my peers that also loved God. Because as they got married, they enjoyed their newlywed years, and I was making bottles and wiping bottoms. And we would try to go hang out with our friends, and it didn't go very well, you can imagine. And so I began to question my journey because it didn't look like somebody else's journey. Anybody get where I'm coming from here? I mean, having three kids under four is like three full-time jobs, y'all. It is exhausting. And they weren't even triplets, so you couldn't do the same thing for all three of them. They're all different ages. It was insane. (laughs) And now I want you to know, that as my friends are nursing babies and changing bottoms, I am now uh, parenting a junior high student and a high school student. (laughs) So my journey continues to look different, but just because it's different doesn't mean it was wrong. In fact, it means that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And I can confidently say as a 25-year-old mother to three children that I made a ton of mistakes. Okay, I did most things backwards. I did most things wrong. But I can tell you that when all I could remember, when I laid my head down on the pillow at night, all I could remember was my regrets. He showed me grace to never, ever let me forget his faithfulness. And I want to tell you, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And it's not just because all my kids can use the toilet independently while my friends are potty training either. And this is our 
Uh, these were our kids on the day of their adoption. This is at the courthouse. Are they not? I mean, give it up. Are they not just the best? And this is our family now. And um, I picked that picture because it was a couple years ago and I was a little bit skinnier. I'll just be honest. God is saying, behold, I do a new thing. And that was the declarative word that God was speaking out to his people in Isaiah 43. He spoke this faith path out of their 70-year captivity into liberation and redemption. And God was calling his people out from the old into the new. He was calling things that were not as though they had already happened. And as far as God was concerned, they were a done deal because he's God. And all they had to do was surrender to the process and participate in it. And sometimes we get uncomfortable because in order for God to usher in a new season, things have to change. For example, I had to learn how to put on hard pants again after many, many months of wearing yoga pants. Amen? Anybody else? Soft pants are the jam. And now I got to buckle again and button again. I don't want to do that, okay? But seriously, could it be that God is inviting us to change our plans and our dreams so that he can actually change us to be more like Jesus Christ? Because from where we're standing now, we can't go from glory to glory to glory till we're ready to step into the new. Obedience to be going forth into God's new plan and to be set apart once again was what was going to allow the Israelites to see the new things that God was doing. But 70 years of Babylonian culture was still holding them hostage. Would they let God do a new thing? Because God can take the church out of Babylon, but the church has to let God take the Babylon out of them. So will you individually and corporately cooperate with that process? Revision conference. Could it be the very thing to propel you into God's best for your life requires you to lean into change, to stretch your muscles of believing God's past faithfulness for his future promise to be delivered? And maybe somebody in the room needs to hear this, but God can take you out of a pandemic, but will you let him take, will you let him do what it takes to heal you from the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the PTSD that a pandemic put into you? And so this idea of revision, re means again, vision, the idea of viewing it again or perceiving it again, to go back anew and look at something and say, God, how do you want me to see this? I see a failure, but you might see something else. I see brokenness, but you see wholeness. God is inviting you to see something new, to see it with his eyes. When was the last time you prayed, God, I want to see this through your eyes. Give me a new vision for what you're doing in my life. Give me a new vision for this situation or for this person that I've been believing to receive the gospel, or this new um, opportunity that I have. Help me to see it with your eyes. Let me not be afraid of the new thing. Because I am promising you, when God says in Isaiah 43, he will make a way in the wilderness, that means that he's going to lead you through what intimidates you. Come on, somebody. He's going to lead you through what intimidates you. If God says go back to school, he's going to do it. If God says be a pastor, he's going to carve a road through the brush. If God says be a foster mom, he will take his holy Bear Grylls machete and he will tear through the wilderness so that on the other side, 
The day of adoption, you will be able to look back and see how faithful God was. Or the day you say goodbye, you'll be able to look back and see what God has done. This is what I want you to know. God's past provision is proof that he will keep his future promises. God's past provision is is proof that he will keep his future promises. It's as if God was saying to these people, you think the Red Sea was something? My people ain't seen nothing yet. You think the cloud and the pillar was fancy? Wait until the manger. Wait until the healings and the teachings and the mud and the spit and the fish and the 12 guys and the cross and the tomb and the earthquake and the veil torn into. You wait until you see me coming back for you in the clouds because you ain't seen nothing yet. So this is the question that I want you to really revision today. What did God do in my history that helps me believe him for the rest of my story? What did God do in my history that helps me believe him for the rest of my story? Because all along God is whispering, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. And our problem is that sometimes we forget what that word perceive requires. It's a word yada, which means intimate knowledge. Intimate knowledge of our Heavenly Father. In order to perceive what God wants to do, we must cling to what we already know to be true about Him. I know Him intimately, and He has proven Himself to be true in this, this, and this area. So I'm going to believe Him. And so, as we walked with God through our adoption and 10 years of raising our four kids, He invited us yet again into a new thing called becoming a foster family when you already have four kids. Yeah, it sounds bonkers to me, too. Listen. So we ended up being able to host six children so far. And if you had told 28-year-old Lauren, who had a kindergartner, a preschooler, a toddler, and a baby all at home, that she was going to do this life-altering thing again, once all of her babies could actually toilet themselves, she would have smacked you, okay? But this time around, I have the luxury of seeing his faithfulness in my past so I can trust him for my future. Six children have come and gone, and God has made a way every time. And so now the question has also become, how do I help others take hold of the new thing that God wants to do in them? If you would have told me that I've been able to attend nine adoptions from the families that my kids have inspired to say yes, I wouldn't have believed you. But from where I'm standing now, I see his faithfulness. I see that his past provision was proof that he was going to keep his future promises, and I can hang on to that for the rest of my life, and not even the devil can take that from me. Back there was comfortable. Felt like that old sweater. Sure, there was carpet on the kitchen floor, but, you know, at least it was soft. It wasn't like sawdust. But if I know anything, anything about my loving God, Here's a little piece of our reno. If I know anything about my loving God, my piles of ashes back there will be an altar for his glorious praise up here. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. 
truly, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I just want to encourage you, church, that as God is doing a new thing, do not be afraid of it. Because as C.S. Lewis liked to say, there are far, far better things ahead than what we have. Oh, whoa, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> there are far, far better things ahead, C.S. Lewis said, than what we leave behind. There it is. So when we were watching this kitchen kind of come up from nothing, come up from the, the, the studs, so to speak, I never could have imagined that one day there would be a four-year-old girl who had been abused beyond imagine, imagination sitting at our kitchen counter watching the Alexa and declaring her favorite song. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. Lala, this is my song. This is my song, Lala. God turns gays into gardens, la la. This is my song. You know what? It's her song and it's your song too. Because what God did for the Israelites pales in comparison to what he's done for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my friends, you ain't seen nothing Thank you for listening to Feed the Sheep this week. May the Spirit be within you, may it be upon you to embolden you in your faith to go out and advance the gospel to build the kingdom and bless the world.